This episode was sponsored by BedPal, a purpose-driven strategic design consultancy working with industry leaders to create innovative experiences and compelling digital solutions. All right, hello and welcome back to Users First. I'm your host, Alessio Ferracuti, UX designer and podcaster in this magnificent podcast. And today I'm joined by Vidya, UX research team lead at Cash App with over 14 years of experience in strategy, research and marketing. And our topic today focuses on how Vidya transitioned a few years back to UX research and on tips on how you can also do it very successfully. But before we dive into the episode, I want to remind you to support my podcast in becoming self-sustainable so I can keep on inviting more amazing guests like Vidya. And you can do that by offering me a cup of coffee from my website usersfirstpodcast.com but you can also do that very well without using your hard-earned money but you can simply follow me on Spotify or, or on the Apple Podcast. Just uh, click on the uh, button on the top of the of the podcast uh, title and um, that's it. That would be a great support for myself. Before we jump into the episode, a little bit about Vidya. She's, a, she's been a UX research team lead at Cash App with over 14 years of experience and she was having a very successful career marketing, even working for Facebook and all of a sudden she decided to switch to UX research and today we're gonna uh, deep dive a little bit more about that. Uh, thanks again for Vidya for, uh, for joining, this is uh, exciting, I'm so happy you did join me on a Saturday. Thank you so much for having me, it's really exciting to be here. That's wonderful. Why don't you give us a quick rundown on uh, on the on on what you made uh, to, in order to make a, a, a change, like the things that you've done to make a change in your career? Sure, and this is such a great question. One thing I do want to say is that anything I do say in this in this podcast are my own um, opinions and representations. I'm not representing any past employer or current employer. These opinions are solely my own. Um, so just want to make sure I say that. Um, additionally, in terms of this question, because it's something that comes up so much, I um, spent the first part of my career in marketing, and that was originally in CPG brand marketing. So working for companies like Procter & Gamble and Ghirardelli Chocolate, identifying products um, that people want to buy, and then launching them, taking them to market, and marketing them. Um, which was really exciting. And later on, I transitioned into tech marketing, which was quite a bit different, um, really more focused on the promotional aspects of marketing, building out messaging, um, building marketing campaigns, um, doing a lot of digital marketing, and then eventually moved into product marketing and strategy roles. Um, so my path, career path was a little bit windy, even within marketing. I would say that I've been somewhat of a career switcher my whole life, having just a lot of interest in being a lifelong learner, it's important for me to be able to try a lot of different things. I ended up moving into UX research specifically because I kind of hit this point in my career within marketing and strategy where I felt like um, the research was the part of my job that I had that I loved the most. Um, as time had gone on and I had started um, participating in leadership roles, a lot of the teams that I had would have researchers on them or people really engaged in the active research, or we would have agencies on retainer that did research for us um, to help drive a lot of the initiatives and strategy work that I had going on. And so hmm. I just knew that whatever I wanted to do next was going to take me closer to the research side of the business, um, bring me closer to customers and consumers, and um, help me get be able to really build market-inspired products. 
I understand because you saw you saw the power of how uh, understanding the customers' behaviors can impact the product. So you wanted to be more involved in the process and going into UX research nails exactly that. You can you can really um, but by, by using different ways, quantitative methods or qualitative methods, by you looking at analytics of the websites and, and applications that you're building, you can really nail down to the detail where the users are struggling and you can help them solve those problems. It's fantastic. Exactly, exactly. You know, what was so interesting is especially towards the end of the marketing, my marketing career, I felt that a lot of times on the marketing side, we were trying to re-message or reposition products that fundamentally maybe just didn't always um they weren't as receptive to customer needs or consumer needs as they potentially could have been um and i really really wish that i could have influenced earlier in that development hmm. cycle so that was an absolute uh, right but you had a different I... mindset right your mindset before was how can i sell more but now your mindset exactly. is different is how can i sell more Try not to think that I have to sell more. <laughs> try to, you know, try to put the customer well, first. How can I sell more by really understanding the customer and creating yeah. what they need as opposed to how can I sell more by understanding the customer and telling them what they need to hear? Exactly. Yeah. Finding their preferences, understanding their behavior. Uh, that's amazing. So uh, how, how do you, how can a person nowadays, uh, like, how did you reposition yourself, um, you, you know, like making, making actually this change? How was it possible? Yeah, and this is a really great question, too, that I get asked a lot. I have to admit that part of this was also luck in, in terms of um, the types of roles that I had in marketing always being very adjacent to research. So research being a, a significant part of my roles, whether they were strategy or marketing, even prior to making the shift. There were a couple of things, though, that I specifically did. I sought out roles where a research component was going to be a heavy part of the work. So a lot of times you're not building strategies or launching new products without understanding customers or markets. So I looked for marketing roles that were more in that direction and perhaps a little bit less around um, actual uh, like maybe creative development or things like that, which still involves research, but it's a different type of research. Um, so I, I focused on things like that. I did some job crafting. So in some cases where I saw an opportunity in our business for us to better understand a, a, a audience or a, a user cohort, I would actually make recommendations to my leadership that we should be researching these individuals. We should be looking into this. I also you know, I redefine kind of what the definition of research also is hmm. within my roles a little bit. I, um, I really do consider things like competitive analysis, just spending time in field, even doing things simple as like in product intercepts and evaluating the feedback that we would get from customers, um, which is all a part of UX, but at the same time is maybe not the part that's talked about a lot. Hmm. So I um, also spent time making sure that my roles included work like that. So that in the end, what happened was I might have been, you know, ending my career as a VP of marketing or brand or something like that. But a majority of my work was really focused on talking to users, identifying their needs, and then building strategies around how the company can respond to them. And that basically is a lot of the work that we do in UX. So that was how I was able to shift my job work in that direction. I understand. It seems like a, it seems like a very clever um, and well thought direction the one you took because you didn't try to go 
straight and directly into UX research, but you did it slowly. So you started adding it to your resume, uh, maybe mentioning that you know you took customers' approaches in the past, and now you want to take more of that direction. So I, I guess then once you actually transition fully into UX research, you already had experience and hands-on, so you didn't have to start from scratch and worrying about portfolio and stuff like that. Exactly. And that's actually been, I would say, the biggest gift that I gave myself in this process, because um, a lot of the work that I had previously done is now part of my portfolio. And it's just the angle through which I look at it and present the work. When I was doing strategy work, the research plan methodology, or even something like the discussion guide, or maybe the process I went through to be able to extract the insights were not as much of the focus as the strategy I would recommend to a company on what they should do. It was more support, but I could reshift and say, now that's actually going to be the focus of the way that I put this work into my portfolio since I did it. And it was, I, I didn't have to go out and do practice projects. Um, I did not have to look for volunteer work. Um, I didn't have to look for internships. So I was very lucky in that regard. Mm. Um, And I was able to take work that I had actually done in industry, applied research, and put it into my portfolio. So I was basically doing the job. The biggest challenge for me actually was I didn't have the title. And that there are a lot of um, people, I want to say there is still organizational bias. Even for me as right now, when we're in the process of hiring, I will look at researcher resumes and say, oh, this person hasn't held the title. And it has less to do with me not wanting to bring them forward, but me wanting to make sure was their background truly, truly applicable Um, so that, you know, were they like me? Were they doing the work, but just don't have the title? Were they just called something else? Um, or, or are we working in a situation where someone doesn't have applied research experience and that's all okay too. It's just those roles, there are certain types of roles that make more sense for that than some of the roles that I was recently looking to hire for. So, um, it was a huge, huge help, but it was still hard because I didn't have the title. So I actually just quit my marketing job when I felt comfortable enough. Um, you know, I have saved up a bit and said, you know what? This is what you want to do. You've done it for other people. You have a network. Go out and start your own consulting business. And that's actually what I did for a while. I went out. I got in contact with people I had worked for before and said, you know, does your team need any research? And, um, you know, you eat what you kill when you're a, a consultant. So I didn't get to always do pure UX research. I did things like NPS studies, CSAT. Um, sometimes I had to um, do work that maybe wasn't as exciting as I wanted, but I just was able to start taking on the title and doing the work on a day-to-day basis with a lot of different customers, which was really helpful. So I saw how a lot of different organizations integrate this work, whether they're tinier organizations that are maybe, you know, 70 to 80 people, or whether they're really large organizations that are, you know, in the thousands or a couple of thousands of people, um, or even tens of thousands of people in some cases. And it really gave me an idea of what I was looking for next, what sort of organization, what sort of work, what sort of UX. And while I was in the process of consulting and um, doing this work, I came across this opportunity to join Cash App and it just made a lot of sense for me to, to do it. That's fantastic. And how's the journey so far going? You're leading a team of UX researcher now. Yeah, so I'm in an interim role right now. We're in the process of bringing in some new leadership into our organization, which is so exciting because our team has been growing rapidly. Um, UX is really important to Cash App and 
Um, you know, we want to focus on making sure that research becomes ingrained in the way we do our work. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been great. I actually came in initially to help with foundational work. One of the things that I think my background has been very helpful for is that I'm familiar with market research, marketing research, and UX research just because of my background. And I think when you're in smaller organizations, you cannot expect that your stakeholders are going to know the difference between these things. Um, and so that's been a really helpful place to be because depending on the questions that are asked from a research perspective or the objectives of the business, it's easier to say and recommend different types of research. Maybe some of it is not pure UX research research. But at least we know, um, you know, I know where to go or how to position it or how to consider other types of research in addition to UX. Um, so that's been incredibly helpful. And then there was this opportunity yeah. um, for a short period of time for me to be able to lead our, hmm. our research team, which has been like, you know, incredible. I think a lot of the past experience I had um, of, of leadership from previous roles that I've had in my career doesn't go away. Hmm. And so um, I think for me, um, you know, a lot of this is now going to be about um, once we get past this interim period, like, what do I want to do within research next at Cash App and where do I want to go? So I'm really excited about that future. This is a reminder that this episode is sponsored by MedPal, who's kindly giving us $100 of promo code for the Health Design Conference this year. Their Health Design Experience Conference provides us with a unique crossroads for a diverse community of executives and practitioners in design, innovation, research, strategy, and technology to help accelerate the transformation of the American health system. They have several hands-on workshops focusing on the jobs to be done, methodology, behavior change design techniques, and tips on how to build a practice of inclusive design. Additionally, they have over 60 speakers within nine different tracks covering all of the areas of health experience design. This year's HXD attendees will leave equipped with design tools, techniques, and best practices that you can put into practice. You will be introduced to success stories across the industry, and you will bolster the, your own personal toolkit. To learn more, visit hxdconf.com, and if you're interested in attending, use the promo code USERSFIRSTPODCAST for $100 off. You can find the promo code and the link to the conference on the episode description. Personally, I really suggest that you attend this conference, but uh, get your company to pay for it. Now, back to the episode. <laughs> I was wondering, if a person wanted to make this transition from marketing to UX research, how can they start rebranding themselves? Yeah, this is also another great question. One thing, um, because it depends on the field of marketing you're in, I've noticed that a lot of people that are in marketing don't usually have the opportunity to work very closely with product design. And so product design is different than creative design. Um, this product design is involved with the actual creation of, of end user product. And um, one of the things that I had to really get in my mind is that um, even though I'm not maybe very artistic, like I'm not drawing and painting and making all these beautiful things all the time, that like that doesn't mean that I don't belong in the design world. Design is simply the process of solving a problem for our customers or for our users. And that doesn't mean that the problem is solved through drawing or, or artistic approaches, but really the, the approach of solving a problem is, is what the entire aspect of design is. But understanding how designers do that is really important. So I did spend a lot of time talking to product designers, understanding what they really needed from research, how research fit into their work. Um, I also wanted to understand 
what maybe what were some things from the business side that they felt that they were sometimes lacking when they were in the process of building a product. One thing I found very interesting in the tech industry that I didn't see in the consumer products industry is this very wide separation between kind of like the building of product and then the business. And it was it was a very strange thing for me when I was in brand management you know, you owned a PL. So I knew exactly how my entire business was working. Um, I also was involved with the con- conceptualization and creation of products while I was also responsible for selling in those products and making them successful in market. So I held the entire UX experience in my hand. In tech, there's been a wide separation of that. And it's like the the um the only role maybe that gets to do it on a regular and consistent basis is product management but depending on how product management works in different companies it's not always true so the ownership of ux is end to end experience of a customer from what product do we build for them to um you know how are they gaining support on the products they're using with us is just not really existent in most companies And I think um, that was another thing that I wanted to spend time understanding and and learning. And that's why I care very much about research beyond, honestly, just UX. But how do we fit these pieces together? What did we learn in our discovery phases of what we wanted to build about users and market that is incredibly useful for people to know downstream when they are launching a product or um, aware of the types of trade-offs we made. Because I think that's the other thing about design. You don't get to design or solve every single problem. You get to, you have to really figure out how to prioritize and understand what is most important to the customer. And um, that means that on the other side though, that there are things that we've consciously decided to not address. And how does that help the organization or how can we can, better communicate that to the rest of the organization so they can do their jobs better. Um, I think that's really something for a marketer to spend time thinking about because that really that's really a glue that they can provide that doesn't exist in a lot of organizations today. Um, the other thing is just really make sure that you understand what UX research is. How is it different than other types of research? Um, a lot of it has to do with reference and framing. Some of it also does have to do with methodology. UX research tends to have a lot more of people that have come from academic backgrounds and pure research backgrounds than other fields of research within industry. So a lot of times you are dealing with um, a lot of emphasis on rigorous methods, understanding methodology, selecting the right method, um, and also um, even just being able to interpret those results in a way that speaks to audiences that maybe aren't as um, ingrained in the applied side of the business that we may be coming from. So that's the other thing to consider, just really understand the research chops, understand, um, learn to talk like a researcher, learn to have the frame of reference of a researcher, learn to um, be credible in what you're saying that you can do and not do. Um, And then I think the final thing is like, think about your transferable skills, which are so important. So beyond the research methodologies and chops, most likely most marketers have a lot of the other things that people are looking for, communication skills, stakeholder management and influencing skills, product sense and business sense. Actually, that's one area I find that when I do interview people that are career switchers into UX, they tend to be very strong on versus individuals that are maybe not, haven't spent time in industry because the business sense and product sense is very hard to develop without actually spending time in a company, understanding how a company makes decisions. 
And then um, finally, if you are looking at leadership, um, your past leadership experience is still extremely relevant. Um, there are some nuances to managing researchers that I've learned about yeah. um, doing it more uh, um, regularly and not part of like an integrated team. Um, but on the whole, almost all of the rest of it, it applies. That's fantastic. Um, I, I love the uh, quoting yourself, basically design, design is solving a problem is not just um, making pretty sketches and um, learning learning to understand more the decisions behind the product itself. So like the business aspect of it and speaking to the product designers to understand how to make uh, better decisions for, for the designs and the product. So you can provide them with, uh, with better research insights. And, and uh, also another thing that is under, is under, is under looked at is uh, how to communicate that as a proper researcher because sometimes we have great insights but we keep them to ourselves or maybe they're documented in a document that nobody will ever look at and the, the user insight that could have been a great product opportunity is lost and that's because we will at the time at the moment we lacked in communication skills and we lacked in experience and uh, so it is our responsibility as UX researchers of for the future UX researchers that are listening to the podcast to, to, uh, to gain these skills. But how can they start doing that, Vidya, if, um, you know, if they wanted to make a transition? How can they start learning all these skills? Yeah, there's a lot of great resources out there. I mean, I spent a lot of time listening to uh, talks in Jared Spool's library. He has UIE.com is his site. He has a great extensive library of past talks, um, which I found very helpful. The Nielsen Norman group is another place that I turn to has a lot of great information. Um, while I don't think it's necessary to have a certification in this field, there's so many people that have crossed into UX research because to your, to what you said, and I said, right, this is the process of identifying the problems that we're trying to solve with design or the design mm -hmm. is the process to solve those problems. So you don't necessarily need to have a traditional background or a certification, but I think for some people that, that, that value, that, that, um, that additional process, or you need to bring more credibility to yourself because you are career switching from a methodology standpoint, um, totally recommend looking at that um, I don't know very much about boot camps because I haven't actually participated in one, but I've heard from some people they have been useful, particularly if you're trying to do a project to build out a portfolio. I think the other thing, the thing that actually mattered to me the most in this process is talking to research hiring managers. I networked like crazy. And I think that was one thing that was really critical. I didn't want to rely solely on recruiters serving up my resume, I wasn't going to pass the ATS screenings. Like there was no way I didn't have the titles. My background was different. I needed to know people that knew about me and what I could do. And I needed them to bring me in and give me a chance to, to do the work. And so I, I relied on networking and understanding what they were looking for, positioning myself, adjusting my resume, practicing, practicing, practicing on how I talk about it and then going in there. And I would highly recommend anyone that does this, does that too. That's very clever what you did because you didn't just look at the skills themselves. You didn't just learn the skills of a UX researcher, but you also heard about uh, the practicality of becoming a UX researcher, which requires the networking aspect of it. And a lot of people sometimes lacked in that. They think that they're going to get a job just because of their research degree or just because of their diploma in UX research or because they, they studied a bit of that. But it requires all the work and you have to cover different areas. Then that's why 
talking to managers. Um, and you can do that from the ADP list. You can do that through uh, LinkedIn groups. You can do that from, from Facebook groups. There is a ton, a ton of ways that you can um, find hiring managers. But by understanding what they're looking for in the in the hiring process, that's kind of uh, how you can nail it to to do your next job interview. Absolutely. What, what are <laughs> what are the major uh, difficulties that you found when switching to to UX research? So I think even though the field is very welcoming of career switchers, there is still some bias. It is hard. Um, you mm. know, I think a lot of times I had to be particularly strong research methodology wise and being able to really build my own mental models and frameworks around this is how I'm going to talk about the process of how I think about picking a research method. This is the process by which I scope a project. This is the process by which I um, think about other types of um, other types of uh, bringing in other types of methodologies and taking a mixed methods approach. I had to be very, very, very strong in that area because I knew that those are the areas people are going to ask me about. They're not going like what I and I, I think that actually proved a bit true. I don't get asked a lot about like what were your major challenges, you know, expanding a team or how did you integrate a new function? Like those types of things, which were very common, I want to say in my senior marketing leadership type of interviews, never seem to really show up in these interviews, even if I am, um, you know, talking to, I was talking to a company about a leadership role. Um, it's just a, oh, well, yeah, like you already validated yourself kind of in those areas. Now let's figure out this other stuff. Um, so I think for me, that was definitely a bias I had to overcome. It was hard. Um, I think also just finding the right manager that is looking for your skill set that wants to take a chance on you. So having been a hiring manager myself, it is hard to hire. I would say it's actually probably one of the most difficult things that I have to do or I've had to do in my career. And that's because when you're in a role as a hiring manager, you are trying to bring in skill sets that will augment and help a organization achieve its goals. That is what you're responsible for as a hiring manager. Um, once somebody is on your team, you're responsible for their growth, their development, and appropriate allocation of the resources and developing people. But in the process of hiring itself, it's identifying is this person going to be able to do? what I am bringing them in to do, because that, that is what I need to do as a hiring manager. That's my job. And so it is very hard. And so I think I can understand why there is so much um, challenge and bias in this area, because it's true across all fields for all roles. You are trying very hard to assess if an individual that is coming in to interview is the person that can do mm. what you need them to do and that they will be happy doing it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> So I think that's, that's also, um, you know, it, it's hard. And I think that's something that that's where the matching is important, making sure that you and this individual are, are appropriate match to work together. Their appropriate match for the organization um, will function and thrive well in the way the organization works, but also do they have the skills? So there's just so much that has to come together. And then are you ready to pull the trigger and say, yes, I want this person to come and join this work? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point that you brought up because I I never I never thought it from 
I always thought it from the perspective of uh, of myself looking for a job and, and hustling, but I never saw it from your perspective of a manager actually having a hard time because you're meeting so many people that are not qualified or because they don't meet they don't meet your expectations, and um and that's making you uh, that's making you stressed. How do you know when you meet the right person? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't even want to say that I I, I think actually 99% of the people, this is what makes it so hard, 99% of the people you meet do meet expectations. They probably are very qualified, but there is this additional aspect of, are they right for this role at this time mm. in this organization with the challenges we're about to face? And so there are certain things that Only I- Only time can I, tell, really. Only time Some can of the tell. time- Oh, and you know, I think that's actually something very interesting. I know this this particular, um, you know, our conversation wasn't necessarily supposed to be about the hiring process, but I think <laughs> it is something people get very interested in. And, um, you know, I think there, it, mishires happen. Everyone knows it. Um, I think as a hiring manager, one of your responsibilities is to and make sure you onboard someone well, give them the best opportunities to be successful in a role, work with them, be transparent. Um, so those are some of the ways you can help, you know, mm -hmm. if something wasn't quite a match, couldn't be assessed well. It is your responsibility. I, I personally feel it is your responsibility as a hiring manager to, to get them everything they need to be successful. Um, I take it as a very high duty of care um, when I hire somebody that they have the opportunity mm -hmm. to be in an organization. Um, but I think in terms of the actual hiring process and how you assess that, really being clear on what skills you are looking for. So that could be, that's where it gets interesting in the UX part. Depending on the role, there might be more of an emphasis on, I need someone with a heavily quantitative background because this role is going to involve a lot of quantitative methodologies. Or um, I need someone that can span qualitative and quantitative methodologies. I need someone that has spent time in industry and has the ability to really um, negotiate and represent themselves yeah. and the customer when it comes to um, working with other internal partners, perhaps those that are not on the UX or product development side of the business, but other parts of the business. Um, you know, it just depends on kind of how the role is. So for any role I hire, I actually spend time kind of making a side list beyond just kind of the basic attributes of what I would expect for someone in a UX or our job. By the way, I used to do this in marketing also. <laughs> but what are the other things that perhaps I'm looking for that are not specifically written in the job description? Because these things are going to be important for this individual to be successful. This is where the networking comes in. I found that people that can find me, reach out to me and talk to me before or are or, or able to get an informational interview um, in some way are able to find out those things. And for me, when I was trying to find a job, I was trying to find out those things mm, because I wanted to know if that side list was actually what I matched to. Because if I matched to the side list, I didn't care that much about the job description anymore. <laughs> um, because the side list is really important. And so I make sure to kind of keep those things in my mind when I am interviewing individuals. But I think there's also a lot of things that you can work with your recruiting teams to make sure you have consistency on. One, making sure the questions are consistent from participant to participant when they're going through the interview, candidate to candidate rather, in this case, <laughs> when they're going through the um, interview process. And then um, making sure that as, as much as you can, having the same team, consistency of team interviewing so that we have um, everyone um, interviewed and evaluated by the same individuals, driving as much consistency 
consistency as possible so you don't have bias from a new individual coming in that perhaps hadn't seen others in the process. Um, those kinds of things are helpful. Actually, a lot of the same things we think about in research are very valid when we think about the interview process in general for a new candidate as well. For everything, yeah. Oh, that was, that was fantastic, Vidya. So in summary, for the, for the listeners who want to get into UX research, we would say that um, rebranding yourself, start, uh, start adding more things related to the customer's behaviors into your resume and into your portfolio would be a way to do that. Leverage your, um, your previous marketing experiences. And if you have other experiences where you somehow empathize with the customers of the business, then utilize those to, to leverage whatever you have done. Sometimes I, I even have people that worked in customer service that, that tell me, you know, how can I possibly move to whatever, to UX research or product design. And I always tell them, look, you have a great power. You just don't know how to use it yet, right? It is a great leverage that people can utilize. And how to overcome bias and uh, look for, for hiring managers. So speak also to hiring managers. You can do that through a ton of ways. But put yourself out there and start bugging people, send messages, start getting their inbox full. I don't care. Start doing everything that you possibly can. Don't just do a normal applications like everybody else. Stand out from the crowd. Get curious about the job application. Get to know the company that you're applying to. And most importantly, um, advocate for the user. Vidya, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, you know, one thing too, this is a great time to be a career switcher. The market is very, very um, tight right now when it comes mm -hmm. to talent and great talent. So if you are thinking about making the plunge, whether you're trying to move between marketing and UX research or between another field to any other field, this is a really, really great time to do it. So managers are probably highly receptive to these sorts of conversations and networking. Mm -hmm because everyone wants the best talent on their teams. Everyone um, is looking to fill their roles and um, it's a great time to do it. So don't be mm -hmm. afraid. Um, take the scary role, the scary take job. Scary role. Take the scary yeah. job. Yes, and yeah. dive into this right now because it might be too late. You know, in a couple of years, market is starting to get saturated. We've seen in the past two, three years, uh, there is a lot of demands. There is a lot of... Um, there is a lot of boot camps and UX courses that they're trying to make their way up. They're advertising UX in every possible way. Uh, that's a fact. I still get I still get UX design uh, advertisings whenever I open a YouTube video or something. Um, yeah, so this is a fantastic time, and uh, you know we need other people to make fantastic products. Thanks again for being on the show, Vidya. Like um, I really I really enjoyed this conversation, and you really you really opened my mind up about a lot of things about about the manager the manager perspective you know on on the on the difficulty of hiring people and and also how to make this magnificent tr transition from marketing to to ux research thanks again for sharing this absolutely you're so welcome thank you for having me i hope it's helpful to your listeners and um i i hope that um people enjoy the conversation fantastic if people wanted to get in touch with you where can they do that um, I actually am on ADP list. I just haven't really fully set up my account yet, so I do need to do that. But let's say give me a couple weeks and there's a good place. You can also reach out Honestly. to me on LinkedIn for the most part. Just include a note if you can, just so I understand why you're reaching out. I think that's the mm -hmm. hardest part. Just sometimes it, it's a lot of people reaching out and I just don't know why. Um, so it would be really helpful if you reach out to me on LinkedIn and 
and just um, indicate why. Beautiful. So make sure to indicate what you're um, reaching out to Vidya for. And also... On Twitter as well. <laughs> I'm sorry? I'm on Twitter as well. Oh, on Twitter as well. And she's also a medium. Forget about yes, that. Yes, actually, I am on Medium. And <laughs> comment on my post on Medium, too. Yeah, she's writing, she's writing uh, articles there. And she recently wrote an article on how to make this transition. So if you want to look farther into her story and, and go more into detail about that, you can go check it out on Medium. And if you enjoyed this episode and learned something useful out of it and want to help me out in, large, in reaching a larger community, please follow me on the Apple Podcast and on Spotify. That will help a ton, really. And you know, if you want to contribute to some of the expenses that the podcast has, um, you can even buy me a coffee from my website, UsersFirstPodcast.com. Oh my gosh, I can't even say my own website right now. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Users First. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. And see you next time. See ya.